0: Shruggy emoticon. We have to find you have. Good to think, luck. You have to think of a sound to make when you do that, so that the audience. Because <laughs> you do it a lot, <laughs> I, it's not, There you go. Thank you. Just something <laughs> to signal that you are doing
1: Shruggy emoticon. Yeah. Because I love it. My name is Nathan Paletta. I'm a game designer, self publisher, and graphic artist. My name is Will Hindmarch. I'm a writer, narrative designer, graphic designer, and game designer. We've finally gotten there, Will. What are we going to talk about this time on the Design Games Podcast?
0: Nathan, we've done a lot to prepare our games. Now we're also going to prepare ourselves to playtest our designs.
1: How do you prepare for playtests, both both for the intrinsic, like, I need to playtest this thing, but also, do you have any techniques or or general things that you do to try and keep that conversation, one that is propelling forward?
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um... One of the things that I do for sure is I kind of talk myself through the re-separation of myself from the material so that when I Mm -hmm. get notes, I do not interpret them as notes about myself. Uh, There's a, in the book, The Art of Game Design, A Book of Lenses by Jesse Schell. I think I have his name right. He talks about the fact that he's not, playtesting is vitally important and he's not in love with it because he feels like he's offering an engraved invitation for people to come and tell them what's wrong with him. Mm -hmm. And that is, of course, a completely true, completely reasonable completely inaccurate notion of what's actually going on in a playtesting, right? It will feel like that's what's happening, and he's completely right about that. But it is on us as the designers during a playtest to be the ones to separate this game is bad from and you should feel bad. (laughs) Whether or not we feel bad about it is on us. Mm -hmm. Whether or not it is bad is... Also on us, but that is on past us. Now start thinking about present and future us. Like, mm-hmm. So if the game turned out that it didn't work, what can I do? And not necessarily in, in, in specific items, because I try not to get too far ahead of the playtest, but I want to be ready so that when I take these notes, and when I say notes, I mean whether they're feedback from the players or things that I notice during play, I try to mm-hmm. be very alert. But is that I say, not how would I have done that differently, but what do I do next? Yeah, I'm a very what if regretful person if I were to say, boy, I, I could have done that differently. That actively works against me in a playtest, during the playtest especially. And the other thing that I do is I think a lot about tangibility, both for the handling of game components, for making my idea into something that can be interacted Mm -hmm. with, Mm -hmm. but also about how the intangibility, especially when in the playtest of an RPG, is and is not working in my favor – because tangibility can be vexingly imprecise. There's the fact that we're all picturing somewhat different settings. There's no book yet. There's no mm-hmm. art yet. There's none of that.
1: And this may be uh, a good point to call back to our previous conversation about pulling things together and kind mm-hmm. of visual design as part of the process. Because that's absolutely one of those things where if there's something that is vitally important that everyone envision the same, right? maybe that's a high priority to make a playtest version of so that you can have it on the table so that everyone you know, has a referent.
0: Right. They have a sketch even. I mean, if it's a hand-drawn stick figure sketch. Mm-hmm. But just something because intangibility can help you hide, and that's not in your favor to play test. It can mm-hmm. also help the play testers hide, which is not in your favor to play test. So it can make it hard for you to understand what's being talked about when, mm-hmm. so that when somebody says the combat was too fiddly or the combat was not exciting. If you want to get closer, if you want to drill down, but you don't have enough terms or you don't have enough sketches or you can't separate the difference between hit points and stamina or hit points and exhaustion or some of these things in a more concrete way so that when you go in and you say, so do you mean the hit points or the exhaustion or whatever? You're trying to to zoom in. Mm -hmm. It's one thing if, if the playtester's reaction is something like the whole thing, in which you say, okay, fair enough. Zooming in is not – it's the whole interaction that you didn't like. But another thing, if you want to zoom in and they want to zoom in and you can't because you just don't have – they can't point to a spot on the sheet or they can't circle the thing or they're afraid to because they're afraid to, to mess up your beautiful materials. Sure, yeah. All kinds of elements – can go too far in either direction i mean it's it's uh, when you think about like wireframes and the idea of, of a sketch that is intentionally incomplete right so that it is very flexible and fungible and people can interact mm-hmm. with it without feeling like they're screwing up your beautiful character sheet i think that goes in two directions if a wireframe is too wireframey or has too many open spaces in it people don't quite know what they're talking about they have the blank page problem and if it gets too specific then they don't they feel like you're so far along that it's too late to give feedback on whatever you want feedback on right and so I try to think about not just in the design, because I have a tendency to over-design visually early, because I'm very happy to change that stuff. I want, I'm yeah. happy to design it three times. But I also try to back that up with a lot of language at the table that says, pull on anything you find, unravel, whatever you want, pick at the stickers, do everything.
1: So I have a question, and I'm sure that this varies based on the stage of the design. But in general, do you give instructions or guidance at the beginning of a session or during a session about like, here's a thing that I would like you to focus on, Here's a a field that I'm still working on. So fiddle with it, pull on things, ask me questions, Mm -hmm. or like here's a new sheet. So if there's something weir- weird on it, make some notes on this because that's going to
0: be... Oh, well, that one, I, yeah, I always do. Always, mm-hmm. always, always. That I also try to collect sheets from everybody at mm-hmm. conventions and home play tests, whatever, so that I can see where they wrote what. To me, character sheets are never done. They're only abandoned like a movie, which is, <laughs> which is fine because you can't actually remake them forever. But in the same way that D&D has had a million character sheets and the World of Darkness has had a million character sheets, that every playbook in an apocalypse game mm-hmm. is meaningfully and for a reason different. But that thinking, I think, is is healthy to take out across the board to other ideas, to to carry over to other ideas, because I absolutely bring up at the beginning, one, feel free to write down notes wherever. What I do is I tend to single out something that I am looking for that I want people to keep an eye on for when they see it pop up, but I withhold a ton of that until I get to that point. I don't want to say like, look, when we get to the combat system, I want you to watch for this. What I do is I say that when we get to the combat system. Mm -hmm. Um, And if the, for example, the, the session is not organically getting to combat, I might just say, can, can we find out what happens if you fight these guys? Because I really want to see that in a mechanical sense. But I may not mm. say it up front. So sometimes I'm very hands-off and I just play the game. And sometimes I steer it as much as possible. And it, a lot of this also depends on... Because I figure if I'm going to be present for a playtest, I can't actually run a playtest where I'm not present. Those valuable playtests that you get with great playtesters where you can give them the rules and watch them play. Or give them the rules and read a great you know report on it from the playtesters who really... Excel at that stuff is terrific, but I figure if I'm present in the game experience, not just in the room, then I might as well be there. I might as well go ahead and say stuff like, "I, I love what you guys are doing," but what happens if we fight them? Hmm. Can we fight them, and then you can decide whether you want to carry through with the fight or carry through with the talk? Yeah,
1: there's a there's a separation in playtesting between. Like let's just play the game. Yeah. And intervening, basically. Yeah. There's the the continuous flow of the game as it ideally would just play. And then every so often, sometimes you reach in with the hand of the designer, right? And say, All right, let's change what's happening. Whether it's let's change what's happening fictionally so that we get to this other thing, because mm-hmm. I need to see that in play. Or if it's this thing isn't working, let's change Right. the mechanic or let's try something else in this instance to move, move things along. Just to, as a concrete
0: example of that non-fictional thing examples of that that I've done I'd love to hear any that you've done are things like I'm going to give everybody now, halfway through this combat, 10 extra hit points, mm-hmm. clearly we're all going to get trounced, and, and either the dice are not going well or whatever, so that I'm, we're not going to get the information we need. The combat's going to be over too fast. So just everybody put 10 extra hit points in your sheet, and let's keep going. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff. right? That's a very specific example, or where I say, you know, this next fight, we're going to use a completely different initiative system or something mm-hmm. to see how that works. Have you, what yeah. are, Can you think of examples of things that you've done mm-hmm. mechanically that you have changed
1: in the middle? I've, I've done stuff uh, like that where if there's a currency involved where like the math is wrong and there's just not enough of Mm -hmm. something, just like in that example, let's go ahead and add five whatever's here because you clearly need more points in this, and I'll figure out after the playtest if there's some kind of math behind it or if it's a. Uh, it's just that we derived... all roll
0: ones for yeah. Overall.
1: Yeah. Whether or if, like, so is this something that just needs to have a floor on it, or does the is randomization of it working against me? Because then some people don't have enough. Um, yeah. Maybe then it shouldn't be randomized. Like there can be lots of reasons why that happened, but in the moment, that kind of stuff's really easy. I feel like a lot of my playtests are more towards the let's just play and mm-hmm. have less intervention, both because of the nature of the games that I tend to write. They usually have a a limited enough mechanical scope mm-hmm. that a lot of those kinds of things, like the economies present in the game and, and whether the numbers are going to match up or not, a lot of that stuff is simple enough. Like, I, I tweak it. I, I fix it based on how it actually works in play, but it's I usually can get it playable before having to get to the stage where we start playing and it breaks. And the other thing is, fictionally, the scope of my games tends to be a little more limited, where when you sit down to play *Mask of the Mummy Kings, like you're going into the tomb and you're having the adventures room by room. Like So you're going to be going through the same mechanical process over and over. And so the play test is more about, okay, once they actually get in there and do the same mechanical thing over and over, is there enough fictional content to keep that interesting and fun right. through an entire course of play? And then I learned things like, the economy of the game really needs to be tuned to kind of wrap up in like two hours because four hours is too long for this game mm-hmm. like it's not fun for four hours so how do i make sure that it is fun for two hours and then we have a satisfying time and you know maybe we take a break and do another two hours but that's different from one four hour stretch like that kind of stuff
0: And that's a that's i think a great example of there's a difference between playtesting the model and playtesting the instance right between playtesting the mechanic and playtesting an instance of the mechanic and a mm-hmm. lot of RPGs those are different and in a lot of adventures they're the same but in a more and more RPGs that old arrangement is called into question in very fruitful yeah, ways
1: Yeah I mean games that are designed for one session of play Yeah uh games that are designed for short sessions but like it's a difference between is the system of puzzles
0: fun versus is the crocodile puzzle on level 2 any fun
1: mm mm-hmm. Mhm So when we start talking about playtesting, there's lots of binaries that we can divide things into, I think. There's lots of playtesting can be like this or like this. It could be early stage or late stage. It could be with friends or with strangers, that kind of thing. And one of those that I was thinking of for me is that there's playtesting when I'm not confident in the game and playtesting when I'm confident in the game. And those are very different for me Both a little bit in terms of what I bring to the table, but mostly actually I think on the back end of what I take from Mm -hmm. the playtest and how I think about it in terms of revising the project.
0: How does that interact with the expectations then that you have for your own playtest? Like, is confident in your game mean expecting to make changes of a particular sort or not expecting to make changes? Like, is it, to me, it's a question of how ready I am to be surprised. When you come in confidently, does that mean, how do you know when you're confident? Is it that you're expecting things to go a certain way and they do, or is it?
1: For me personally, on on one level, it's like a gut thing. Like if I'm scared of playtesting, it's probably because I'm not confident yet. And if I'm excited about playtesting, it's probably because I'm confident in the material. And that can be different for different projects. But I think the first case the being less confident is either about I know there are problems that are going to make the game probably not fun. So it's kind of like apprehension about like, hey, guys, let's sit down and not have fun together. (laughs) <laughs> right, like, <laughs> right. that's because right. that's, that's a kind of play test. And sometimes that's, I know this isn't working, so let's kind of like PlayStorm it, right? Like, let's find some stuff that might fill it in. And sometimes it's, let's play and see how it goes, but I already know it's not going to be fun because this game doesn't work yet, or I haven't found the thing that makes it exciting, or I haven't turned the key in the idea quite yet. I have all the material, but it hasn't fallen together. While being confident in the game is a little more about I know it works. I kind of, I'm pretty sure that absent some some kind of weird social thing or or weird outside influence, the the game session itself will be fun. And in those cases, a lot of the time for me, it's more about observing play and Mm -hmm. determining things based on what I see and just kind of letting the game kind of run and do its thing. While in the first case, it's more, I'm more willing to say, let's stop, let's talk about this thing that isn't working or... I saw this happen can you tell me what you thought about that right like those kinds of things
0: which also sounds like there is an element of expectation and maybe surprise is too strong a word but is that willingness to embrace that whatever happens is either this is what the game is doing or when you stop the game and say hey can we make this different or how do we can we find out why what just happened happened that's a question of i think expectation between what you're trying to get the game to do and what you find out that it's doing, or what you're hoping to get it to do mm-hmm. whenever. So I guess the, the question, the, the first question I have, which you just answered wonderfully, which is, so then why are you playtesting now mm-hmm. in both of those cases? But particularly in the first case, it's if you're that afraid of what's going to happen. And I've been there. I do that all the time, with where I playtest stuff with my home playtest group too early. But what are we afraid of? And if we're afraid of it, does that mean that we're playtesting too early, do you think? Or are we conflating playtesting and playstorming and
1: brainstorming? Are we doing kind of a focus group with some actual play in it? Sometimes you need to playtest to get past that point. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the playtest makes it worse. Right, And there's no way to tell until you do it. Right.
0: I mean, the hope in, in either case, right, is that the playtest makes something clearer. Yes. For better or... Right. I mean, always for better, essentially. But yeah.
1: And that's always the goal, right? Like you come into a playtest at whatever stage and you exit the playtest with some kind of information that allows you to refine the project and right. get it closer to your vision. Sometimes you come out with information that says either like my vision is unclear or like this project does not have a future, right? Like sometimes there's, there's, <laughs> <sometimes laughs> right. there's playtests yep. where you come out of it and go like, I did all this work. We did this playtest. I do not feel like it's worth my time and effort to keep banging my head against this wall. And that is a productive playtest in the sense of you learned something Mm -hmm. and you're able to make a decision to move on. It's just sometimes that decision is, and this project is over. Right. Like that is, that's not a fail state for a playtest. That's sometimes just how it goes. And it's,
0: I would argue that despite
1: how it feels, which is that it will absolutely feel like a
0: fail state. Like you say, it is not a fail state for the playtest and neither is it necessarily a fail state for the design. All it means is that all the stuff that you made for that game goes and sticks in the notebook and has made ground fertile for later planting. You don't know mm-hmm. what's going to still be useful out of the stuff that you made in the future. Mm-hmm. So calling it a failure now because it didn't achieve what you wanted it to achieve is short-sighted, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And it's also what I tell myself to make sure that I go, look, I I didn't waste time getting to the first playtest. What would be a waste of my time would be playtesting from here to the next thing. Right. Would be wasting the next set of, the, the next diamond in the in the yes. development cycle.
1: Yeah, because all of this feeds back on itself in your progression as a designer. Yeah. So, yeah, th- that early work is still going to be early work that you did that you can pull from for later projects. Absolutely. For the, the rest of this conversation, we should talk about play tests where the goal is to continue refining the oh, project sure. and, and narrowing the narrowing the scope, right, narrowing the, the triangles uh, with the product of each of those. Validation points. We talk about metaphors
0: like beating our head against the wall or getting answers and clarification. But one of the ones that I love is imagining. Imagine you're moving across a foggy landscape and you have a map that you drew from memory from having either been here before or seen pictures or whatever. And you've kind of put it all together in your mind. And You're like, okay, well, I'm pretty sure that there is an oasis over here, that there is fresh water this way. And you lead the group in that direction through the fog. And then you get to the spot. And in the fog, you either find more rocky boulder field and Heather and no water or you find water. And if you were correct, you can drink, and then keep moving. And if you're incorrect, you keep moving. And the question is, in what direction do I keep moving? Mm-hmm. And so the landscape kind of reveals itself and you get new information. You go, okay, so the map, I can see the water from here now. I wasn't where I thought it was, but the map was off by this much. So from that, I can make other calculations and I can make other decisions. And the question is, sometimes you go, you know what? It's better to just back up and move back in the direction we came. And now I know for a fact that there's no water in this direction. But by and large, what playtesting does is not necessarily success fail in the sense of like, like where there is fresh water is not a question of success fail. Finding it is the success fail. And mm-hmm. quitting is the only surefire way to fail. To say for sure, like, no, yeah. there's no fresh water on this island. Well, if you looked, no, I just know that I'm screwed.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I like that metaphor also because you have the group with you, right? So you have navigated to a spot and it's not where the water is. But someone else can stand up on a boulder and be like, hey, I think I see some water over there. I hear it. Yeah. yeah and then you, you can follow their instincts and... Get to the destination that you right. are trying to get to.
0: A playtest, right, is one of the, the points where it's not solo, where right. you can really can benefit from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I would quibble a little bit, just with the goal of abandoning the, this language. Yeah, with the, the only fail being quitting, because I think more like a, a failure of a playtest is more if you don't learn anything. Right, like if you have a playtest and you Mm. don't get any indication of where to go next, that's 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 the only time that I can that I consider a playtest to be like. Sometimes a playtest can go poorly and not be fun, yeah, and you decide not to pursue something. But that's still a a positive decision that you make based on the feedback that you've gotten. That's a great point. Uh, If you have a playtest, and this is something that happens, I think, more and more as you do more projects and more playtests. And it's just a function of getting better at knowing what you need to get and putting out stuff that's a little more ready to play and stuff like that. But uh, the worst playtests are the ones where you sit down, you play the game, everyone says, oh, yeah, that was really great. And then... That's the end of the conversation right? because you generally don't learn anything other than, you know, may whatever you can intrinsically glean by watching play. But those are kind of the most unproductive play tests. They're productive instances of play, and they might be good for things like getting word out about the game, building some kind of culture of conversation around it. You know, if you're playing with people who are prolific posters or talkers about games. But the testing part. The testing part is, is not as helpful. So...
0: I mean, you're absolutely right about the fail state and the, the question of quitting. But to me, that is that's, that is an example of when that happens and you, and you for whatever reason, choose not to follow up with questions in the moment, give people a Google form, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of quitting that I think of as failure. Is sure, that. Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes you will push for more answers and, and you will get none. And that is in itself information, but it's just not particularly valuable information. It's not particularly yeah. useful information. Yeah.
1: It's like when you have the conversation and the entire conversation is basically like, yeah, I liked it. Yes, I had fun. Yes, yeah. I enjoyed all the things that we did. Again, fun game, if there's some kind of progress that you're looking to make with the game and you haven't found it yourself yet, that information doesn't help you, right? Right. Like everything you have here is good. And it's like, I know everything here is good, but it's not enough or it's not right or whatever
0: ambivalence is one of the worst to me feeling reactions as a game designer not that not again that it's the fault necessarily of the people who feel ambivalent about your game because that may just be the the reaction the interaction we hope for that playtest will either put wind in our sails or show us where the rocks are right and when there's just no wind and the ship can't
1: move yeah that's just a bummer (laughs) yep that's just not fun and it will happen yeah absolutely so prepare yourself strap in
0: The difference between testing the model and testing the experience. The currency and the math can be completely stable. You've modeled it, you've done all the permutations on paper, and then you sit down and people go, It's fun
1: ish. Well, yeah, it's
0: almost fun. Mm-hmm. It's too predictable or it's too unpredictable or yeah. it's two hours of fun instead of eight hours of fun mm-hmm. or whatever.
1: Yeah, or you sit down to play and, and sometimes you have the, well, all the mechanics work, but the game doesn't work. Right. Right. Because these are social games. These are a social experience. So sometimes the feedback that you get is is about, okay, what structures do I embed the mechanics within Mm-hmm. To make the conversation the right conversation, because sometimes the mechanics aren't enough.
0: One of the, the big it, memorable examples of that to me is when you would find out that, say, a character class or a playable species or a spell or whatever, and you'd say, yeah, but but do you think doing this much damage in one hit is too much. And they go, I don't care. The people who cast that spell are stupid. The green wizards of Escordia, I just think they're dumb. So I don't care about their spells. And you go, interesting. So we can't even test this thing because the fiction I couched it in is not working for you. right? (laughs) And sometimes it's just the way that goes in in any given test. Also because any one play test is kind of.
1: We're victims of what I'm gonna call probability bias. Mm -hmm. I think there's a real actual bias that this is, but I don't know what it is off the top of my head where you playtest a game once, and then how that playtest went in that one time now is what the game is in your head. Because Jim had a problem with the green wizards, right. Clearly the green wizards are the problem in my game. And now I'm gonna change <laughs> the game to get rid of the green wizards because you it, it quickly scopes out from this one person had this one problem right. to this is a problem with my game. Right. And the the trouble is sometimes they're right. Like sometimes it is the green wizards that are the problem. And there's two ways that you go about finding that out. One is to continue playtesting, yep. whether that's continue playtesting with Jim and see if he comes around on the green wizards, right? Or if you just playtest with other people and you're like, by the way, you played a green wizard. What do you think? I thought they were awesome. So there's just different opinions about green wizards. Fine. The other is, and this is what I find a lot with some of my work, where someone has a reaction to something and then I have a reaction to their reaction. mm wow, that guy is a jerk. Why does he hate the green wizards? <laughs> that might be telling me that, that they're actually very important to me, right? And they're important to the game. Or I'm like, oh, he's right, you know? And then maybe like, if I don't actually think they're valuable, then why are they in the game? So there's two two things that, and hopefully you're able to do both, but the fact of the matter is you often, and you know, so- sorry, secret society of game designers for breaking all of our secrets, but uh, most games don't get that many playtests. No game in the RPG hobby gets enough. Sure. Enough has never happened. Yeah. I don't think it's possible. mm -hmm. But I mean, games go to... I think it's changing a little bit with games having a longer on-ramp to like full production through kickstarting for the most part, where people see, are able to get involved with the game on a larger scale through how Kickstarter kind of activates those conversations. So sometimes a game is able to access a larger pool of playtesters earlier than like right. 10 years ago when you were both on forums and being like, hey, I have this game, who wants to play test?" And like maybe one person would be interested. But yeah, I mean, there's games that go to full-on production that have like four sessions of playtesting behind them. Yeah, and sometimes and that's all
0: they need. Depending on the scope of the game.
1: I think there's this kind of platonic ideal, right, of like fully testing a game getting all of it out there and seeing it all in play. I think there's obviously a functional limit to that, right? Like, especially when you're in a one and you're a one-person operation, there's just functional limits of how much playtesting you can do. And sometimes it's limited by social circles and sometimes it's limited by technology. Hours in the day. Yeah, hours in the day, uh, your real life, quote-unquote, right? So there's that. But there's also the more existential limit, which is that because tabletop role-playing games are a function of social interaction... You're never going to be able to get every social interaction at the table. It's just not possible. Right. And I've seen people kind of be stymied by this idea of like I just need to play test it fully, right? right. I need to I just need to completely play test it. I need to get it in front of this many people or I need to log this many hours, which is analogous I think
0: to to the idea that I need to find out what happens when This class, when the wizard rolls every possible number on the die in every round of combat, right? When They're not the same model. You can't model it that way. It's a social interaction you're talking
1: about. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, it's like you can model that, but what does that information tell you? Sometimes it's more important to know that the wizard doesn't go into combat. As you play, every person who plays a wizard is like, I'm going to avoid combat as much as possible for whatever reason. The numbers on my sheet don't seem high. The way this class is functions in the the fictional space. If they Uh, kill people, they lose their ability to have a wizard license, so I'm just not gonna put myself uh, in that situation. Something
0: something or everything else you've communicated to them about the wizard, yeah. Right,
1: so uh, having all the math on how much damage per second they can do in a combat may not actually be valuable information if there's other structures that affect the question of like, do they get into combat or not? Right. So on the one hand, all of that is kind of why bother trying to do lots of play testing, kind of thing, which isn't really what I'm saying. What, right. I'm, what I'm saying is more, it's more about quality, right? It's more about getting the right information, the information you actually need. Um, there's this idea in user testing and product testing, and I don't have a site for it off the top of my head, but part of coursework in design school is this insight that companies have had about getting user feedback on products. And also on UI, UX stuff, but there's a a bunch of literature about user testing of physical products like home goods and Mm -hmm. stuff like that and technology products. And basically, the first person you talk to gives you a bunch of feedback. The next four to nine people you talk to also give you feedback that rapidly diminishes. The new feedback you get rapidly diminishes through those first 10 or so people. And then after 11 or so, you're just getting the tiniest incremental change in what feedback you're getting. So That you haven't already got That you haven't already gotten, haven't already gotten. Yeah. yeah. So another way to say that is the first 10 people you talk to are going to tell you 90% of what you need to know. And then whether it's worth trying to get that last 10% out of a greatly increasing amount of additional testing. For most products, it's not worth it. So focus groups and product testing and stuff, especially as something approaches market and is like, Pretty much defined and it's more about get fi- finding people's reactions to it. They'll put it in ten households and see see how people use it. And then they'll get that feedback. They'll make some changes. But it's not like it goes out to a thousand people.
0: And I want to say this so if I've got it. Part of it is about frequency of information. And you actually don't need that big a sample to find out frequency. Like the frequency in fifty percent of your audience will be the same as hundred percent of your audience, it'll just be a bigger number. Right. Uh, But the other thing is about not mistaking one piece of information for another piece of information. There's a Mm -hmm. great quote that was going on on the internet this week, which is that if you torture any data, it will eventually tell you what you want to hear. And we have a tendency, I think, in playtesting, because it's a little bit craft, a little bit art, a little bit product, a little bit science, a little bit math, a little bit everything, that we want to get the playtest to tell us what we want to hear. And we we can't do that where you have to hear what it's actually saying. Mm -hmm. But it actually doesn't take – 100,000 human hours right, to get that information.
1: Yeah. I guess the takeaway point from my perspective is if you can get three solid playtests, you're going to learn what you need to make your next step. Maybe not even that. Like Often early in the process, one playtest, then just you, you learn a bunch. It's kind of the same thing. Your first playtest, you learn a bunch of something that's not very formed. You make changes. You follow your intuition and your abilities and your skills as a designer and your vision and your vision you bring a different game right the next version of the game you do a play test and you learn less which and is you change it less right and then you get to a next iteration and then you get to one where there's either details you're working on or it's just the stress testing kind of idea where it's like let's just see what happens with different in different situations mm-hmm. and then three or four games of that. I'm not saying that more of those won't help because they absolutely will. And also there's a difference between you running it and other people running it, absolutely. which is a whole different thing. Yeah, we'll thing. talk about that. And- you know, after that, unless there's, unless there's a bunch of complexity, unless there's five different adventures and they're all substantially different and you want to try all of them, you know, that idea that you're going to learn 90% of what you need from a small sample size, I think that holds true through my experience as well. The, the trick
0: to it to me is if you have a game that has a lot of potential edge cases, more playtesting is not necessarily out there to help you fix them. It's to help you make sure that you can tell the difference between an edge case and a non-edge case. Mm -hmm. And part of it to me is is still about the confusion of what kind of information you got. I saw a problem. Is Jim's hatred of the green wizards an edge case or not? I don't know yet. I literally have the one session. remember when halo started publishing a couple of their heat maps which are the the spots that show you on a game map from above for like single player and multiplayer the longer a player spends in a spot the hotter it gets right so you can see from cold to warm where they move where they stop where they where they camp where they aim where they don't aim how long they spend in places that's amazing information we will never get anything like that in RPGs it's it's just not possible in part because we can't both play the game socially be good at playing the game with the other players and also record that much information Right, the way that we can have the Xbox just recorded automatically mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> or what have you. I mean, there's things you can do, right? Like you can take an audio recording Absolutely. of your session so that you can review it later to catch things that you missed in the moment. Absolutely, Like that's a good technique. You could do the same thing with video, especially with video streaming being yep. very accessible now. You could do video captures of your playtest session that's online.
0: But as an example, if your playtest session is of a different adventure, a different Scenario every time. That's not the same play. That's not playtesting the game five times. That's playtesting five different things each once.
1: Right. And there's overlap. It's a Venn diagram. Yeah. Like of here's the core dynamic that happens over and over that's repeatable across all five sessions. Right. Keeps coming up. Right. And that ends up being pretty well playtested by the time you're through the whole process. And then you have here's the things. We had at least one person play a wizard in every session. So we got to see the wizard five times. There were five different wizards, but we got to see how a wizard works in five different situations. Right. Good. One person played a barbarian one time, so their their circle's all the way out on the edge of the diagram. They didn't interact we, with the wizard. We only know how they interact with the, with the ranger and the thief that were in their same group. Right, yep. and they were on the first adventure, so maybe things that I modified for the later adventures based on the first one, we didn't get to see with the barbarian. So you end up just having to make a bunch of judgment calls. Yep.
0: I think we have a tendency to also say I didn't learn anything in this play test when what we mean is I didn't learn anything new in this play test. Right. I think we have a tendency to not disregard but downplay confirmation mm-hmm. in play tests in our hobby and I don't know if that's a design thing or I think it's I know it's a thing in our hobby in our business in this sector mm-hmm. is that we have a tendency to say so did you learn anything new and you say and you might happily say no no I just confirmed that this spell is broken and that the combat is otherwise going great or whatever right and somebody on the outside might hear that as thinking like that was a waste of time and the mm-hmm. answer is no 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 that was it's <laughs> yeah. just that I didn't Get new information. I got a lot of information I had already, mm-hmm. which is also valuable. But how many times do you need to do that to take right. comfort in the fact that, that this feed is broken or the spell doesn't work or this character class is unpopular or whatever?
1: It actually, yeah, it's just two different inflections in the phrase like, I didn't learn anything. <laughs> right? right. One of them is we played, everyone liked it. I didn't learn anything, but I needed to. Yeah. Right. And that's what, what I consider to be a failed play test. Yeah. And the other is, did you learn anything? No. But the answer isn't really no. The answer is no. yes. I <laughs> Yes, I learned that I was right. No, I didn't learn anything that changes what I already thought was happening in the game.
0: Right. I didn't learn anything that means that I have a lot more a lot yeah. more
1: changes to it. And more. I think that's that's when you can tell a game is approaching done when you're playtesting it and you're like, yep, that went how I thought it would, even if you're still changing things or fixing things. Right, if it, if it what it told you was to change, which you were pretty sure you were going to have to change yeah. it anyway. Or you already had on your list to change, you just yeah. haven't gotten to it yet and you played it and it's like, yep, that's still broken.
0: And I think that trajectory of, and this is sort of what I was getting at before with expectation, but it's that notion of discovering what is and is not confirming versus discovering what is and is not an unfortunate surprise. Mm-hmm. But those discoveries of How much you have to change is also useless without vision because a game can change forever if you aren't there to say, no, 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 that feedback didn't tell me that the spells don't work. The feedback told me that the spells aren't doing enough of what they're doing. And so sometimes the difference between I don't like this and it needs less and I don't like this and so it needs more of the Mm -hmm. same is a question of engagement and vision and whether or not you wanna double down on something. And that's a question, I think, of how we deal with the feedback that we get from playtesting, which is a whole other thing.
1: If someone comes to you and says, I'm gonna playtest my game. I haven't really done this before. I haven't run a test of my own game. How do I do this well, right? How do I do this productively? How do I do this in a way that is gonna be the best use of my time and my player's time? Mm What are some things that you would tell them?
0: One of the first things, and is what I tell myself, is to identify the game's current state or condition before I have asked the players to do it for me. So that I say, this game is, and we have certain terms you can use right off the bat for this. You can say this game is pre-alpha, this game is in beta, this game is whatever. But one of the big things that I do is I say, this game is a hack of something that I love. And so the following things I think work pretty well. And I'm really unsure about this one thing. Whether or not that's how you present it to the playtesters, first figure out how you're going to present it to yourself. Be realistic about the state of the game, about the condition that it's in. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the other ones is that I I tell people and I tell myself to approach playtesting like a journalist to go in and be ready to say who, what, where, when, and how, and why, and say, not this thing didn't work, because that's not necessarily useful, but to say, when did it break? When did I find out this thing wasn't working, and what were the conditions that it was in? Mm-hmm. It might not be that that this or that mechanism is broken. It might be that we broke it, and that's not the same thing as it right. was broken when I put it in the game mm-hmm. as much as it says it just can't take the weight of 10 rounds of combat mm-hmm. or what have you. Um, and so to approach it with a notion of who broke it, not to the players. Like, Again, you don't have to – it's not about blame or anything, right? But it's about you as a designer being able to be mindful enough during the playtest and I- keeping identifying, notes on it. Identifying
1: yeah. the conditions under which this happened. Yes. Whether it's bad or good. Often right. playtesting reveals flaws, right? So we kind of talk about breaking the game. Oh yeah. <laughs> but sometimes playtesting and ideally playtesting either confirms for you or highlights the fun. Yeah. Right. And it's like, oh, when this game did this, that's what I want every game of this to do. That's right. what I want every session to do. When How did we get
0: there? When you're essentially redlining your game and you're making marks on your game, don't just underline the stuff that's misspelled. Circle the parts where the players throw their hands in the air and, and say,
1: Yes. <laughs> I got it! I think those are both good advices, uh, and I agree with them fully. I had a playtest of a game that I've been working on for a long time called The Imp of the Perverse, which is... A great
0: title. Before you say anything else, it's a great title. Well, I mean,
1: I I steal from the best. It has changed a lot over time, but it is a horror game in a Jacksonian America where the world of Edgar Allan Poe is real, in a sense, uh, is encroaching on, on reality, and you play people who have imps of the perverse on your on your shoulder, metaphorically, semi-literally, which means that you can tell when there are monsters present and uh, you are the only ones who can do something about it. Anyway, so I was running a playtest of it and a lot of the mechanics have kind of how the pacing goes and the structure of how things are resolved have kind of been the same for a while and I'm pretty happy with them, Uh, but there just wasn't a there there yet. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure, like I know that there's something that is gonna take this over the top. I'm not sure what it is yet. Anyway, I was running a playtest And I spent more time at the beginning talking about everyone's imp. They they kind of embody the perversity of a character, you know, something that is not acceptable in society to do kind of thing. And originally those were just kind of a list and you picked or you just kind of, you know, came up with something and answered a couple little questions. And I did a playtest where kind of naturally as part of the conversation, I just kept asking questions about it and kind of diving a little deeper to kind of bring out like, So what does it look like when you give in to your perversity? What are some triggers for it? What has happened to you? What relationships have been destroyed because of it? Like that kind of stuff. And we did that for the characters and then we like played the scenario and it went fine. But my reflection on it afterwards was like that conversation was really key to making memorable characters, Mm -hmm. which then made that session more memorable. So, and it was a very engaging thing. Everyone was very involved Commenting on everyone else's stuff, helping brainstorm, you know, offering suggestions, that kind of stuff. Being appropriately horrified by some of the material that was being brought up that then would be struggled against in play, right? So that was the thing where I was like, oh, that, that's what this game needs to do. So the next revision and version of it has a structural step of workshopping the perversity, essentially. Mm. So I just offer that as an example of capitalizing on the things that get everyone engaged is what you want out of a playtest. Like you want to find out those things because that's where the seams are splitting open a little bit and you can kind of see, you can see your vision beyond it. You're not quite sure how to get there. You can just kind of highlight the good stuff in addition to being like, oh, and this mechanic doesn't work or we did this thing, but it didn't matter, right? It didn't contribute to the game very much. You want to learn both of those things and conversations about playtests often focus on the negative also, because we remember negative things more. Another psychological bias thing, but also they're easier to talk about because they're more universal, I think. Like things breaking, that's easier to talk about than.
0: And I think there's just a. There's also the, the notion that a playtest is designed to fix the stuff that was unhappy.
1: Oh, sure, yeah. As
0: opposed to. Especially the difference between somebody knows they're in a playtest or not. Mm hmm. Yeah. Which I think is, I think by and large, you want people to know they're in a playtest, but sometimes, depending on the stage of the game, mm-hmm. You're just playing it, and then you decide partway through. You know what? I'm actually play testing it, and I'm just not going to bring it up. I'm gonna, because you should be watching anyway. If it's your game, yeah, you should be paying that kind of attention anyway. But I think that's the difference between testing the mechanics, the model, and testing. The experience and a Mm. playtest, an an RPG playtest for tabletop gaming with real humans is never doing just one of those, Mm. unless the game just doesn't have the other present, in which case it's not a tabletop RPG if it doesn't have the experience. And if it doesn't have a modeling, if it doesn't have stats of any kind, if it's a a completely conversational game, that's cool, but I think the experience, the experiential rules still apply, which is you're playtesting not just to find out if the mechanics are sound, but to find out when people smile and when people frown and when people's eyes go wide and when people... Can't wait to use a thing on their sheet, and when they can't wait to roll the dice and when they're like, oh, do I have to? I just want it to happen, and that kind of stuff. To find out what dismay and delight look like at the table.
1: Thank you for listening to the Design Games Podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to this episode, please consider supporting either myself or Will at either of our respective Patreons. I am
0: at patreon.com slash wordwill, and Nathan is at patreon.com slash
1: ndpaletta. You can find all of our older episodes as well as everything else Design Games Podcast related at designgamespodcast.com.
0: What do people even say at the end of a podcast? What happens if it just...